Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG, and we're online at kpcg.fm as well. Today's Tuesday, coming up on today's program. Look at some headlines, a lot going on in the news uh, to take a look at. We'll look at those. Also, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show, have a preview of that, and then look at what's at thetrumpet.com. And how about uh, education? It's uh, school time. Everyone's in school if you're a student. What's the right kind of education? What's true education? We're going to take a look at that and uh, more coming up on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live. We're at 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. Live link at thetrumpet.com as well. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at kpcgfm. And any emails you'd like to send, go ahead and send those to comments at kpcg.fm. We appreciate getting those. Dwight Falk and Grant Turgeon here today. Grant, back from a whirlwind whirlwind trip out to uh, California. Uh What's it? What's California as a state? Like, what's the nickname for that state? Is it the? Oh, does it have a name? The Golden State. The I Golden think. State. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you're back from the Golden State, and uh, you look good. Look like you made it okay, and everything's fine. <laughs> I look good in, in my uh, <laughs> less than usual attire. <laughs> well, you know, the fact that you're in here is pretty amazing because you got back late and uh, or early, I guess, depending on how you look yeah, at it. And, it's uh, close to four in the morning. So yeah. So you're. Uh, and for those listening to this later in the day, this, that would probably be a replay. <laughs> so if you're, <laughs> if you're listening to it later this evening when we replay the show and uh, you're thinking, wow, that's when do you sleep all day now? Like, yeah, really impressive that you finally <laughs> got up for the 7 p.m. showing. <laughs> right, right. The 10 a.m. original broadcast, that's uh, that's when he's in here for. So anyway, great trip, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that uh, as personal appearance campaign out there in California for Trumpet Editor-in-Chief Gerald Fleury. and. I'm sure there'll be more details about that, but a, but a really successful trip, so that's good to hear. Yeah, it was really good, and there were about 350 people who showed up the two nights, and um, a lot of the members and ministers were just saying how excited people uh, from outside the church were who just were interested in hearing the lectures about the book of Hebrews. Yeah, great. So that's uh, there'll be more of those uh, coming up, and if you're a, a Trumpet subscriber, you'll probably uh, get plenty of information about that, and if... Uh, you're not a subscriber and would like to be, you can get a free subscription at thetrumpet.com. A couple of uh, headlines, a few headlines to look at today. A sports note to start with. I always like uh, excellence in sports. DeMarcus Cousins, he had a pretty remarkable night last night. He's a basketball player for the New Orleans Pelicans. He had 44 points, 24 rebounds, 10 assists. That's the first 40-20-10 game in the NBA since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did it in 1972. <laughs> That was, before, that was even before I was born. So that was a historic night. So congratulations to DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, I really like him. He's uh, just a really powerful player. He obviously has a lot of emotion, which can boil over at times, but he just does have a lot of passion, and you know he's going to play really hard every time he goes out there. 40, 20, and 10. Those are uh, career statistics for many many people. He, he seems like he, he pulls off some kind of uh, – interesting i guess factual note pretty much every time he goes out there just because it's hard to guard him 
he's just ramming his way down there to get pretty much every rebound that's anywhere near him. It just has to be a nightmare to try to try to defend him. Very tall, wide body, strong, uh, good good agility, uh, very mobile. So quite a player. Uh, so uh, good note for him there last night. This morning when uh, people woke up, uh, one of the big stories that turns out to not be as bad as it could have been was a tsunami, there were tsunami warnings for the West Coast of the U.S. They were canceled, of course. There was a f- massive earthquake there uh, in Alaska. The initial quake was initially... Uh, <laughs> the initial quake was initially... That's how they wrote it, folks. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the initial quake was initially estimated to be somewhere in the range of magnitude 8. Some are saying 7.9-ish. And to have taken place about 12 miles below sea level in the Gulf of Alaska. The severity has been dropped down to the 7.9 now. According to the USGS, this is the 12th earthquake in the last century and within 600 kilometers of the source to hit a magnitude 7 or higher. So this doesn't happen a whole lot, but when it hits, it's pretty big. The Kodiak quake reportedly occurred as a result of strike-slip faulting where the Pacific tectonic plate converges with the North American plate. So the two plates are there, and they slipped, and there was that huge earthquake. They thought there might be tsunami for the whole West Coast, but then they canceled it. So that could have been uh, pretty severe, but thankfully it uh, doesn't appear to be that severe at this time. Tectonic plates are just a pretty fascinating subject because that's pretty much what the whole surface of the Earth is made up of. And they, you know, the plates could converge in the middle of the ocean, or they could, you know, they could be underneath uh, a continent somewhere. But anywhere you have those plates, um, anytime they like ram together or one goes over the top of another, that's where you have like volcanoes or tsunamis or gigantic earthquakes. It's pretty disastrous anytime those plates uh, just just start to have friction between themselves. Yeah, the shifting of plates, tectonic plates, is one of the main things that's needed to sustain life, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. When they talk about planets up in, in uh, the universe that are uninhabitable right now, one of the things they would need would be the tectonic plates because, uh, well, there's a whole variety of reasons. One of them being just the fact that if you don't have that and you don't have this shifting uh, uh, surface, you might get a huge earth or a huge uh, volcano and it never seals off on the bottom. Mm. And so it just pours and pours and pours. So you have huge volcanoes on some other planets because they don't have the plates to slide underneath. And there's other reasons too. I can't remember them all from my college days, but that isn't something I would have thought of as essential for life, but it is. That's really incredible, and that's just one of many millions or billions of factors that allow life to be possible on Earth. Uh, and to to think that that all just happened with, you know, a big bang by fiat is is just completely unrealistic. Right, and scientists know that um, you could you could make other planets habitable if you have the power to do it. We just don't have that power yet. Right. Yeah. That's uh, obviously. Not yet. That's that's the key word, but one day soon. The knowledge is there, just not the, the capability at this point. Here's a uh, bad story from today. Kentucky school shooting. Uh, they've had another one. Uh, at least five were shot at Marshall County High School. Uh, still sort of a developing story, but it looks like one dead. Authorities say at least five students were shot Tuesday morning at a southwestern Kentucky high school. A suspect in the incident at Marshall County High School in Benton, Kentucky, has been apprehended, according to officials. Uh, Kentucky Governor Matt Bevan tweeted soon after the incident that at least one person died in the shooting. 
but it's still a developing story. The latest updates appear to be just one dead at this point, but uh, Kentucky, they're, they're, uh, they had that one, I think it was in Paducah years ago, school shooting. And so this is a horrific thing anytime it happens. And, um, it's, it's, unfortunately it's fairly common. I, you know, it seems like every year there's several, so bad story there out of Kentucky. Right. And Mr. Joel Fleury's given at least one uh, key of David program about, uh, just the spirit world and how it influences human minds. And, uh, just specifically in the case of school shootings, uh, you know, the media has tried to focus on how the vast majority of shootings like this are carried out by white males. But the real issue is there's obviously a really bad mental health problem with every single one of these people who who commit a shooting. A lot of them say they they were hearing voices in their heads before they went and committed that act. That's not that's not physical. That's not something that you could uh, discern with the senses. That's that's really um, a dangerous thing to have happen in your life where you're just not under under your own control anymore because of an evil spirit yeah it's terrible i there was a story we talked about a few weeks ago i think um oh i forget who covered it but it was about people that have experienced school shootings whether you know a child or that they they had the child or maybe they were one of the ones in the building that didn't die and uh, just the impact that it has on them for the rest of their lives. And every time, and I was thinking about Kentucky especially because Paducah was one of those big ones. I think it was Paducah. And so every time there's a school shooting, the community always reaches out to that community. And now they've got another community right in their state that they have to reach out to. And they're probably doing that today. It is really sad. And it just for those who are there, but even the rest of us who just hear about it, uh, it does cause some alarm because you know who who knows who you're passing on the street might have something like that in their minds it's it's difficult to discern what other people's thoughts are obviously uh unless you're around them a lot you might see some signs uh even then though especially at a school you know those are people going through hormonal changes in their lives and they're they're transitioning into adulthood they're going to have more mood swings than most people anyway so you wouldn't think much of it if you saw a couple grumpy faces in the hall at school uh until after the fact, you might realize that those could have been some telltale signs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We all probably went to school with a few kids that you thought, well, that guy seems pretty upset. And uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I was one of those people, but I hope, I hope I wasn't. But but yeah, you don't expect something no. like this to happen. But, you know, it's really interesting. You talked about the um, those Kia David programs that talked about just some of the, the negative influences in people's minds. Uh, even one of one of the school shootings that happened uh, years back, they talked about coming upon the person that had perpetrated it, and they were sitting there in the hallway, and they uh, they said to the the official that came up to them, they said, "I don't know why I did this. Please shoot me." Like, what kind of a mindset are you in at that point? They don't even they didn't even know why they did it. Yeah, that's that just shows you how extreme it can get. Um, and there are different ways to that our minds could be open to something like that. And we want to try to avoid that at all costs, but the right, the wrong type of images or entertainment that we're constantly taking in, or even any time where we just like try to completely clear our minds with, uh, what is called meditation, but is really not meditation. You, you just have a blank slate there. There are demons that would take advantage of that. And then once they get control, you don't have much control at all of what you do. Well, and and just in general, we're just talking about generalities. We don't know about this situation, but you know, there's drug problems at mm-hmm. schools sometimes, and that that opens up people's minds. There was even a story last week uh, about uh, at least two young children, I think it was, that they took this uh, uh, flu medication, 
and they started hearing voices, started mm-hmm. hallucinating because of the flu medication. Uh, so there was a story on that. So it's kind of weird. I mean, people sometimes take things in the, in the case of the flu stuff. I, you wouldn't think that would be an issue, but uh, it messed with their minds in some ways to the point where it made national news. That's a lesson to the rest of us to stay away from anything that's dark or anything that could become a vice because um, we don't want to go to that extreme. Obviously, that is an extreme to have that happen to us, but uh, it's definitely a possibility when you start going down that path. Yeah, terrible. So Kentucky school shooting today, at least five shot, they think, at Marshall County High School and one dead as far as they know. So there's been quite a few school shootings even this year. There's just a list of them. Fox News had a list. Uh, Italy High School in Texas had a shooting. Aztec High School in New Mexico. Rancho Tahama Elementary School in California. Mattoon High School, Illinois. Freeman High School in Washington. North Park Elementary School in California. Liberty Salem High School in Ohio. I think that was uh, last year. So, oh, seven. Yeah. So that's. I mean, we we tend to think, I guess, of the real, uh, the big ones, uh, the ones that captured the headlines for a few days. But there, there are. I would just even going through the news every day like I usually do. I I remember last year there being multiple ones, but they never became this huge, huge story. But they're all still, you know, a huge issue. So, I guess we've just been kind of. Uh, Maybe our senses have been a little bit um, numbed to it because it does happen often. Right, and even this one, it's probably going to be the case that it'll go out of the headlines after a couple of days maybe because uh, we've we've experienced ones like at the Columbine High School and at Virginia Tech where it was just so devastating and so many people died or were injured from it that uh, just the the, to- the like staggering body count uh, makes it a huge story. But it doesn't it doesn't really matter if fewer people die or get hurt. It's still a tragedy that happens, and it should it should receive enough attention. Yeah, it's just horrible. And the, you know, anybody that has children or has had children at some point, I mean, you just can't imagine even the you know hearing that, getting that call or something, because you don't know for a while who was involved and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. So really horrifying. Uh, on to better news: uh, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl tickets. If you're looking to go to the Super Bowl, by the way. Um, you can get them for about uh, the cheapest is four thousand three hundred seventy dollars. Uh, that's an all-time record for expensive tickets. So wow. that's the those are the cheap seats. <laughs> four thousand three hundred seventy dollars. You take your squeeze with you because <laughs> almost ten grand. And you get to travel. You got meals. You're looking you're looking at a fifteen thousand dollar adventure there. That's right. You'd have to save up for that for quite some time. Last year. The t- some of the cheaper tickets were in the 2000s range. That just shows you it's it's pretty much doubled from last year to this year. Um, I don't really know why because Minnesota's not even in the Super Bowl anymore. I thought if they were playing a home game for the Super Bowl, the tickets would would have been more expensive. Yeah, well, both teams have good fan bases, and uh, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, Minnesota, that stadium's really nice, and I don't know. Again, I don't know why it would be so expensive, but they were showing actually last night on the news. Uh, Philadelphia fans excited about their team winning and this this guy was running outside of a um, oh some sort of a um, subway or commuter train or something and he's running and waving at the crowd because he's all excited and they're waving back at him and somebody's filming it from inside the train on their uh, phone and the guy runs into a pole <laughs> I was waiting for that <laughs> he was okay but he he ran it he got he got knocked over by the lamp pole I guess he just didn't see it there so you have to be careful when you're celebrating. That's straight out of a cartoon. I, apparently, uh, someone else told me that 
they had to grease a lot of those lamp poles like in the city of Philadelphia because they didn't want people to get a good grip on them to like pull them down in, in a riot <laughs> because of how, how how excited they were after their team won. And so people do go to some pretty shocking extremes after their teams win. And a lot yeah. of those a lot of those fans were also wearing like dog masks because they were underdogs in those in those last two playoff games that they won. Okay. So despite being the home team, yeah. their their star quarterback is injured, so no one thought they were going to win those games. So all the fans are wearing these like German Shepherd or Poodle masks. <laughs> right. Just really strange stuff. <laughs> yeah, I saw that when I was watching the game. I didn't know why. I didn't know the yeah. backstory on that. I thought, was this the Cleveland Browns? Is this a dog pound here? Like, I why know, do they're they wear... Eagles. Why are they wearing <laughs> yeah. dog masks? <laughs> why is that happening? Uh, my son was telling me yesterday that kids were talking about it at school, and one of the uh, Patriots fans said, why do they always have to play birds in the Super Bowl? That's <laughs> true. Falcons, Eagles. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Eagles is a rematch from 2005 as well. Yeah. So they're playing them a second time. They play the Seahawks. So That's true. They are always <laughs> playing birds. Well, it's a good thing because, you know, in this time of uh, people being offended by things, uh, no birds are going to complain about uh, <laughs> being used as a mascot. So that'll be fine. Speaking of birds, actually. It was uh, two weeks ago. It was on a Sunday. My son and I in the afternoon were throwing the baseball around in the yard. And this giant hawk came down. I thought it was going to actually attack me. And I think it saw the ball moving back and forth. And it, it swooped down. And I, <laughs> for a split second there, I thought, I'm in trouble. But then it took off and went somewhere else. So it, That probably would have been a grave mistake for him to try to swoop down and catch a baseball, though. That's That's not the typical prey it's not as soft as typical prey would be although if he would have caught it and flown away that would have been one of the most amazing things ever <laughs> that's absolutely and i would true. tell people about that forever and no one would believe me isn't you know you need footage of those types of things yeah one time uh another funny thing that happened when i was playing catch with my dad when i was younger i threw the ball probably at least 20 feet over his head and he had this habit of tossing his glove up in the air whenever i do, whenever i would do that which is illegal by the way yeah it sure is <laughs> but he he caught the ball with his glove that was 20 feet up in the air and then the glove came down and he caught the glove with wow. the ball in it which was incredible to me that's a once in a lifetime <laughs> yeah you're not going to do that very no. often no that's amazing uh there's some data here that you might find interesting about data cell phone speeds the fastest countries in the world for uh cell phone data number one is norway uh, then after that, well, they don't give them all, but they just give some of the highlights here. Norway's the, f the fastest. Singapore is the fourth fastest. China, the 29th fastest, and the U.S. is the 45th fastest. If you're in Iraq, sorry, 123 fastest or slowest internet speed so <laughs> for cellular data there. Uh, so, yeah, most times I have pretty good data on my phone. Depends where I go. But, uh, yeah, Norway is the fastest. It's kind of a good thing sometimes to have slower internet at least for a little while because then you uh you don't have the ability to just like mindlessly surf if you, if you don't if it's not quick it's pretty easy to just lose interest in just surfing for nothing oh there's a lot of things in life that if they're not quick and immediate we just don't do it we mm -hmm. just move on it's funny how that works yeah yesterday in the hotel i was limited to like a like a 1990s version of internet explorer oh wow on the on the like the lobby computer and like you just couldn't really do anything on there, so it definitely made me spend a lot less time on it. Did it sound like it was grinding coffee when it started <laughs> up? No, but the one next to it kept saying it was logging out, but it never actually did. Right, and the screen never reset. It takes it was, a long time to log out. Yeah, it does. <laughs> they had a, they had to contact somebody apparently to do it. Uh, this is a really interesting story. I hadn't heard anything about this. Uh, this is an environmental story from Cape Town. They're almost out of water. 
After three years of unprecedented drought, the South African city of Cape Town has less than 90 days' worth of water in its reservoirs, putting it on track to be the first major city in the world to run out of water, on April 21st to be exact. City planners have long pointed out that Cape Town's water capacity hasn't kept up with the population growth, which has nearly doubled over the past 20 years. But now the record drought has left the city's reservoirs dangerously short of water. The city is attempting to solve the crisis by calling for households to limit water usage to 23 gallons per person per day. But only 39% of Cape Tonians are meeting it, <laughs> so they don't care. But that's pretty serious. I hadn't heard that. I wonder what they're going to do if they uh, don't get some rain. Right, and that 23 gallons is for absolutely everything. Yeah. So, you know, grooming, hygiene, uh, drinking, or cooking, every yeah. everything. So it is that is a, a pretty strict limit. I heard someone else say it was like six gallons, so maybe that's like the next extreme measure uh, at some point. But Oh, that could be. Yeah, 23 is at least a lot better than uh, six. Apparently, Cape Town is one of the most beautiful cities in the world, aside for like a shanty town that's kind of on the outskirts, but if you just go into the main city, uh, there's few cities like it. Yeah, you uh, looking down here further, that 6.6 .6 gallons does come in here. It says Cape Tonians are now figuring out how to survive if the water supply is halted. Residents will be allowed to collect 6.6 .6 gallons a day from municipal water points protected by armed guards. <laughs> well, oh, when okay. water gets yeah. short, wow, it's, you got to have armed guards there. You can imagine that. But the closure of hotels and restaurants will have a knock-on uh, effect on the city's economy, which will be intensified if schools are forced to close and parents aren't able to work. I mean, you know, we, we think we're pretty sophisticated as a society. I mean, whatever big city we're in, or and uh, you turn the water off, and boy, oh boy, we can't do a thing, can we? Well, think about that. They're protecting their, their water storage areas with uh, armed guards just in case someone tries to overrun it and take control. I mean, that's... That is something that you just never hear about today. Um, at least not, at least not in a place like South Africa, which compared to most nations in the world is doing pretty well. Reminds me of actually a, a story from World World War II that I read, where this uh, one individual was taken to a holding uh, camp in the middle of Australia, in the middle of the outback, and uh, they got there and there were no fences at all, and everyone's looking around like what. And the the guards came out and, and greeted him <laughs> and said, <laughs> said you, you can do whatever you want. Th this is the only water right here. And it was in the center of this water uh, tower, and it was guarded by armed guards. And they said, yeah, if you want to leave, you can. The, the closest water will be three days in any direction, in the middle of the desert. <laughs> so nobody left. <laughs> you didn't need fences. So wow. I thought, wow, that's, you know, yeah, when you put it that way, I guess you'd be happy to stay put. You said that was in Australia? Yeah, it was in Australia. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess, historically where the, where the British Empire would send convicts just because if you did have it, so much of it is almost uninhabitable just in the middle of the country obviously the coasts are pretty much unrivaled in their beauty but it's it's difficult to uh populate the rest of it yeah so really uh it's kind of different when you you're thinking about the net uh the need for water it's something we don't think about enough the fact that you can just go most cases turn on water and have access to it as much <laughs> as you want <laughs> So, uh, yeah, interesting there, and we'll keep an eye on that over in uh, South Africa. Here's an interesting one. You you might remember this famous poster from World War II, the Rosie the Riveter, that lady with flex in her arm and says, we, we can do it or let's do it or something. The real one, the lady that it was modeled after, she just died at 96 oh. years of age. The woman believed to be the real Rosie the Riveter died Saturday. She was 96 years old, according to her daughter-in-law, Naomi Parker Fraley, who Blankenship says died in hospice care, was not recognized as the inspiration for the famous poster until 2015. 
During World War II, uh, she was a factory worker at Alameda Naval Station, according to CNN affiliate KATU, the stories from CNN. She was one of the millions of women across the United States who filled the labor force during the war. While Fraley was working a press, photographer approached her, uh, a press photographer to- approached her to take her picture. Over 60 years later, she attended a convention of women who um, worked during that time period uh, for the war effort. And she saw the photograph promoted as the likely inspiration behind the iconic image. And she said, hey, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) So by all accounts, she's probably the inspiration for Rosie the Riveter. And she just died at 96 on Saturday. Yeah. And those women did step up in a big way to help the country because so many of the men had to go off into the war effort. Sadly, sadly, that picture has become like a symbol of the feminist movement just because uh, women mostly didn't go back to being housewives and mothers at home uh, after the war, despite that being uh, only a temporary solution, them going into the factories. They, they never did go back. They, they realized um, just how capable they are. I mean, women can obviously do pretty much any job, but the question is, is that the ideal role? And then it leaves this huge void in the house. You know, because you kids need the mom and and the dad, but they need they need that mom too. make sure you stop and check out the trumpet dot com. The day top story is a lesson from backflipping robots. The robots are coming. (laughs) (laughs) This is people are capable of astonishing achievement. We just need to keep our perspective. And uh, this is a write up by Brad McDonald. And so um, there are some amazing things that robots can do that. And you you do hear see a lot of stories where they talk about people losing their jobs to automation and so forth but uh but anyway there there are some lessons to be learned from uh, the backflipping robots so uh, and it has a lot more to do with people than robots so you can check that out at the trumpet.com apparently there was a really uh crazy video of a robot a few months ago where everyone was just remarking at how incredible it was that we've come this far with robotics and i think it was elon musk who replied to it and was like this is this is nothing this is just like the very start of what we're trying to produce so the advancements are just going to continue, um, and obviously we're very capable of producing a lot of things like this, but really, is are we, are we the ultimate authority? I think that's what kind of uh, becomes the question for a lot of people. When we're able to do so much, it's almost like we look to ourselves instead of to God in that case. You know what's one of the most difficult things <clears throat> for them to make robots be able to do, besides obviously thinking? Is uh, traveling over uneven ground. <laughs> yeah. They really struggle with that, and that the military is always looking at ways to develop it. And I've seen a few videos where they they, they kind of have have improved it because they would like robotic uh, sort of people to carry heavy things, and but they they can't they just can't navigate over a rock or it's hard, and and so they're improving it. But all the things that we just do without thinking much about it, you know just navigating a uneven surface you don't you don't typically have to stop and go oh you know what am i going to do here just kind of move over it so uh even though they are making a lot of advancements you just look at what humans can do it's uh it's not even close exactly and so that just shows you that the creator of humans is far greater than us the creator of robots actually someone in california who's a barber yesterday was showing me a video of um just this they were trying to automate cutting hair <laughs> and, and uh there was like this razor that was hung on like like this swinging arm and it would like come by the guy's head and just uh, shave off a swath of his hair yeah. uh but it was basically like scalping him totally uneven just it looked horrible so the robots can't take all the jobs that's pretty clear
Yeah, that that will be one I wouldn't want to get a close shave with a robot. No, thank you. Yeah, well, even the they're having these self driving cars, and it seems like every time they're in the news, anyway, it's because they got into a wreck. You know, they go out. Oh, let's try the self driving car, and it crashes into something. So, yeah, I'm not not too excited about those either. Uh, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today with your host Stephen Flurry. Make sure you listen for this as well. A few topics discussed, including the fact that uh, academia doesn't want to look at both sides of a debate because in most cases they've accepted one side as fact, even when it's not fact. And there's he gives some really interesting uh, examples of that where whatever it might be, whatever the topics are, it could be you know the climate change or it could be other things, or just the roles of men and women. And, and in most cases, there are two sides to look at um, if people just want to have a healthy debate about it in, in a, a university or somewhere. But they won't allow the other side. They won't allow the creation side. They won't allow the biblical teaching side to come into the equation because they, they just have already accepted their side of it. So, you know, how open-minded are those debates when they've already come to their conclusion? Right. And the thing is, academia is wrong on every single one of those issues because, like I mentioned, that's what happens when we think of ourselves as the ultimate authority. When, when we're God in our own eyes, uh, it's pretty easy to just come up with a lot of solutions that are just totally insane. And we see that everywhere today and not only are we coming up with the worst solutions imaginable but there's like this huge movement to just suppress truth and to hide uh, the actual truth of the matter so that everyone uh, can just go along with this perverted ideology he had some great clips uh, even on monday's show if you haven't heard that there's this guy that's on he's a he's on youtube doing some uh some uh, lectures and uh basically he go he's trying to encourage young men to be successful and do something with their lives and people are really responding to it and yet he's 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 uh getting pushback which is surprising because there are some that say well that's that's uh you know sexist you're only addressing the men what about the women and he's like well <laughs> this is who i'm talking to and what's wrong with that and there's a, a clip that was played where he's being interviewed and and the uh, the lady said uh, the journalist interviewing him said um like well why uh you know, who are you to tell us that this is the way it should be? Like, wh- why do you have authority? And he said, well, you're doing the same thing to me. Why do you have authority to disregard my opinion on it? And she was kind of befuddled by that. But that's the truth in those cases. If you're going, if, if they're going to say to, to whoever they're interviewing, you know, well, who made you the authority? Well, the person can easily turn around to the journalist and say, well, who made you the authority? <laughs> right? But, uh, you know, there is a lot of pressure to go with whatever... Um, uh, the, the majority thinking, or at least the, the loudest voices are thinking. That interview lasted about half an hour, and that, that female journalist was on the attack the whole time. Like, everything he said, she twisted it and threw it back at him. Like, oh, so you're generalizing all women and saying that the pay gap is, is totally fine, or you're saying that all women are more agreeable, and that's why they don't negotiate a higher wage. And it's he's like, no, I'm, I'm saying the majority are and i've done many studies about i'm not even just i'm not even just observing and saying this i have scientifically studied this to say that it's true i mean that 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 man was so meticulous in the way that he went about his findings Uh, you wish that all scientists and all all psychologists or whatever they are would take that kind of care and yet still she was coming after him um and he said you know his audience is like 80% male and there's also 20% females. And, uh, 
those females want those type of men in their lives, men who are strong, men who take the lead and are doing something with their lives. It doesn't mean that women are incapable in any way. It just means that why would you want to have a partner in your life who is useless? Yeah, for sure. Well, even if you're running a company and if you just looked at it that way, why would you want half of your employees to do everything and the other half to be terrible? Right. You'd want everybody to do their job. <laughs> so you can have a good functioning uh, economy. You know, the uh, only place where the pay gap is true is if you work for Gap at the mall. Then you, you're, everyone's being paid by the Gap. So, and probably probably not a lot. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's it's amazing that that issue, especially like how many times do you have to debunk the gender pay gap? I mean, I mean yes, their men do get paid more, but if you take into account if they're working the same job, the same hours, and producing the same amount, men and women get paid the same. I mean, there's just no way around that. I mean, if you're looking at, like, show business, there was, um, I guess, a, an issue with Matt Lauer making a lot of money on that Today Show, but I, he was the only person's name I knew on the show. So if he's the one drawing in 50 times more viewers than all of his counterparts he should be getting paid more. I mean, that's just simple capitalism that everyone is trying to stir up into like a sexism debate. Well, yeah, I mean, you look you look at anything. You, you look at a sports team, look at the difference in pay scale. It's because of the job and, and how mm -hmm. difficult it is and the productivity. Your quarterback gets paid a lot more than, uh, you know, uh, your tight end does. They, they make a lot more. Uh, the left tackle gets paid a lot more than the right tackle because mm -hmm. he's protecting the backside of the quarterback. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> it, those there are differences, but it's because of the jobs in those cases. Yeah, and the thing is there, every single one of the players or every single one of the employees signed the contract or they agreed to the terms of their own free will. It wasn't like they were forced into getting paid whatever they were. Uh, and maybe we should just stop trying to compare ourselves to each other so much. I mean, if we if we go into a deal and we're happy with it until we see what someone else is making, well the whole reason we're upset now is because we were comparing ourselves to someone else. And there's even a biblical principle about that, about these men working in a field the entire day from the very start. And they were getting paid a certain amount. They were fine with it. And then at the very last hour of the day, there were more men who came to work in the field for just the last hour. They got paid the same amount. And those guys who had been working all day said, well, why are they getting paid the same? And the master says, well, you agreed to it. And that's, it was fine until you decided to try to compare yourself. So if you if you really get down to it, comparing ourselves to each other is the wrong thing to do because we should all be trying to look up and not side to side. Yeah, it's a great point. Trumpet Daily Radio Show today. Make sure you listen for that. Uh, one uh, story here before we get into uh, an article we want to look at is uh, uh, U.S. Vice President Mike Pence. He's been taking a tour of the Middle East there. And uh, on uh, Monday, he uh, spoke to Israel's parliament. Uh, talking about the U.S. Embassy, saying it will be moved to Tel Aviv, uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem by the end of 2019, ahead of schedule. Uh, there was quite an ovation. They were very excited to hear what he said, and also uh, uh, Mr. Netanyahu spoke as well. So we've got some audio from that. I thought it would be interesting to play. It's about a four-minute clip. This is some of the comments from Mr. Netanyahu and Mr. Pence over there uh, from Monday, and that was in uh, Israel's uh, parliament. Mr. Vice President, as you may know, I want to make sure that the translation gets this right. There are 11 cities in the United States called Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Utah. Jerusalem, Vermont. Jerusalem, Michigan. And there are eight more. And they're all inspired 
by this shining city on the hill, Jerusalem, Israel. Mr. Vice President, let me express not only our profound gratitude, but also our deepest hope that President Trump and you will succeed in strengthening the United States militarily and economically so that America will continue to be the greatest power in the world for generations to come. A stronger America means a stronger Israel. And when America and Israel stand strong together, the forces of freedom, progress, and peace will ultimately prevail. Mr. Vice President, God bless you and your family. God bless America. And God bless Israel. Yedidi Mike, Baruch Boacha Litzion, Baruch Boacha Lirushalayim. Jerusalem is Israel's capital. And as such, President Trump has directed the State Department to immediately begin preparations to move the United States Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. The United States Embassy will open before the end of next year. The President also called, in his words, on all parties to maintain the status quo at Jerusalem's holy sites, including the Temple Mount, also known as the Haram al-Sharif. And he made it clear that we're not taking a position on any final status issues, including the specific boundaries of the Israeli sovereignty in Jerusalem or the resolution of contested borders. And President Trump reaffirmed that if both sides agree the United States of America will support a two-state solution. The Iran nuclear deal is a disaster, and the United States of America will no longer certify this ill-conceived agreement. Unless the Iran nuclear deal is fixed, President Trump has said the United States will withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal immediately. Whatever the outcome of those negotiations today, I have a solemn promise to Israel, to all the Middle East, and to the world. The United States of America will never allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. ISIS is on the run. Their capital has fallen, their so-called caliphate has crumbled, 
And you can be assured we will not rest, we will not relent until we hunt down and destroy ISIS at its source so it can no longer threaten our people, our allies, or our way of life. So those are some comments there from uh, U.S. Vice President Mike Pence. He was uh, speaking there Monday at the... uh, uh, at the uh, Israel's parliament and uh, Mr. Netanyahu also spoke. So, you know, in one sense, it's nice to hear, uh, you know, some good words, I suppose. It's, it's it's a refreshing change of pace from what has happened in the recent past. But at the same time, you know, two-state solutions and, you know, things like that. Well, uh hasn't worked so far. And then, uh, you know, some, some tough talk in Iran, which is really good. But at the same time, uh, what are they going to do about it? So anyway, there's a lot on the trumpet about what you can expect to see happen in the Middle East. But uh, uh, on one hand, I think it is refreshing to at least have some some unity for now anyway, at least verbally between the U.S. and Israel. Right. And um, what did stand out was while he was talking about a two state solution with the Palestinians, he also did have, like you said, some really tough talk about Iran and ISIS. Those two have been clearly identified as threats and as enemies. Meanwhile, you have the Palestinians led by two major terrorist groups, uh, at least. If if not, you could even say like a third one. Um, so why are they not being treated accordingly? You know, they, they frequently fire off rocket attacks. They encourage knife attacks, bus attacks, you know, ramming a bulldozer into shops and killing just innocent civilians left and right. That is, those are terrorist actions. Those are overt hostile actions and to continue to say that we can try to have a two-state solution with people like that on the other side it's just unmoored from reality you have to stand up and say look these people are not going to get anything they want because they're using violent means to get those things yeah he also he on his tour he spoke in uh, jordan and he talked uh, over there to those uh, uh individuals and then also uh, a few other stops and in one one of the stops, he was talking about sending a clear message to our European allies, which would be Germany mainly, that, uh, you know, there's going to be some changes to this Iran situation. So, you know, Europe's going to factor in heavily, as we know, if if uh, you've read at thetrumpet.com, a lot of that uh, insight uh, comes from the Bible about what you can expect to see happen. But, uh, you know, the U.S. is trying a few things there in the Middle East, but, but ultimately, um, you know, Europe's going to become more involved, too, so... Interesting to see the different uh, the different things with the U.S. wanting to move the embassy, and then, uh, like you say, not really dealing with the issue that, that just that the Palestinians hate the Jews, and, and and of course are empowered by Iran in a lot of ways, and uh, you know, and, and even with Iran, like he's like you said, and he said, you know, he he had some good words about it and some tough talk, but are they going to do anything to stop it? You know, we're at least for Israel, they have flown in and blown up a few things when they needed to with <laughs> Syria and Iran. So you got Europe sitting there probably looking at it too, thinking, okay, well, that's tough talk, but you know, also keeping an eye on Iran and what they're they're doing day to day. Yeah, it has to go beyond talk, which uh, since the 1990s we have not really done much beyond talking, at least with the uh, the Land for Peace process, which I was explaining to some third and fourth graders last week. Um, and I said, like, anywhere else in the world, that would not even be considered as a solution. Like, if the Canadians hated America and they were always threatening to attack, so we gave them, like, the state of Minnesota and then said, well, will you, will you like us now? And the Canadians are thinking, well, 
you just gave us land though because we hate you so why would we stop if it's working so we give another state and we give another state i mean it, it just and all the kids were just like that's insane that makes no sense and i'm like yeah you should you should go tell the leaders over there how insane it is because the biggest reason the jews are even doing it is because the whole world is pressuring them to try this out um and and I mean, I'm sure the Jews right now agree with our stance on Iran. Some of those European leaders still in power right now don't really agree with it, but very soon they will. But at the same time, we're trying to make some sort of amazing deal for the Palestinians that they just definitely don't deserve. Yeah, it's it's a really good point you make about uh, you know the land for peace thing. It's like if you if you put it into a family situation, it's like trying to deal with your children with like a piece for candy negotiation like if if you'll stop throwing a temper tantrum i'll give you candy well what have they learned Mm, temper tantrum equals candy right they're not going to stop like okay well you know they might stop for a moment but once they're done they'll have a temper tantrum again it's the same thing it's human nature but it's just on a national scale Mm -hmm. you you can't appease somebody that that wants to uh you know, destroy you through trying to give them things and, and it's working. Why would you stop if you, if you were the Palestinians? Why would you stop doing what you're doing? You get what you want. So keep doing it. And that's what they're, that's what they keep doing. Exactly. And then I, and then I told these kids after that, you know, the Jews are going to get so desperate in that situation that they're going to turn to Germany. And I explained to them what Germany did to the Jews in World War II and how they killed six million of them. And at that point, the kids were just like screaming, don't do that. That's crazy. Why are they doing that? I mean, it is, I mean, it's just shocking to look at that situation because it just shows you the extent that uh, humans will go if they're trusting in themselves and they're not looking to God for a solution. Of all nations in the whole world, they're going to trust Germany, which historically has been worse to them than anybody else. I mean, that's, that is a devastating uh, solution that they came up with because they weren't looking to God. Yeah, that ties in, that leads right into what we want to talk about for the rest of the program today, which is uh, an article at PCOG.org. What is true education? And the point is made, you know, that if you're not looking to God for education or a solution, then you're not going to have uh, what you uh, need uh, in terms of uh, proper understanding of how to deal with much of anything. And uh, I got a text sent to me. It was kind of an interesting uh, text. Somebody tweeted this out. It was sent. And I thought it was kind of good. It said, what I wish schools would have taught me about having a successful career. So this is a man that's uh, in his career now, and uh, he wishes he had learned a few other things. Number one, how to be a positive person. Number two, do a little more than is asked of you. Number three, show up on time every day. Ding, ding, ding. That's a big one. <laughs> Four, do the work. Practice makes perfect. Five, go to bed smarter than you woke up and never stop learning. So among all the other things that uh, you may learn in school, those are some of just the, the practical things that he, he, I don't know, I guess he wish he had learned. <laughs> Maybe you can learn them if you apply yourself to it. But it does, I think it does uh, uh, highlight the fact that as people get into their careers and they get on in life a little bit, they do look back and start thinking about their education and you know, what did I learn that was of value? What what did I learn that was not of value and what's important? And on, on a certain level, maybe they can see that. But it is a really important question. What is true education? What's valuable to learn and what isn't uh, essential or necessary? Or in some cases, what's bad to learn? <laughs> yeah. And all those points that, that man brought out seem to point back to a mentality about uh, just a career, about education. If you take education seriously enough, uh, you're going to constantly be trying to advance and improve in your career or really any other aspect of life and uh, just always learning, always trying to 
explore the world around you and, and develop skills that will make you more and more useful. Uh, but it does take the right type of education to be able to be that valuable of an employee. This uh, write-up here from uh, PCOG.org, What is True Education? You can see the whole article there. We'll just ho- cover some highlights, but it's by uh, Trumpet uh, Daily Radio show host Stephen Fleury. And he says that, writes that man's vigorous pursuit of knowledge has done nothing to bring about a solution to world evils. So even though there is uh, advancements, robots, uh, all kinds of things. The fact that, pe- the fact that people tweet and that's a common thing. Uh, there's advancements in some ways, but it hasn't solved the problems. And he writes that there are two kinds of knowledge. Uh, the, the Bible reveals that there is a good and evil. And he says people have to be careful, though, because some have equated physical knowledge with evil and spiritual knowledge with good. And spiritual knowledge, God's knowledge is good, of course, but physical knowledge isn't evil. It's, but if the physical knowledge isn't based on God's word, that's where it gets evil. That's the key. It's it's not evil. Sometimes people think, well, you don't you shouldn't be educated because it's all you know it's all a bunch of evil out there in the world. But that's not true at all. Uh, we just have to make sure the physical knowledge is based on the Bible, and because the Bible, like Mister Armstrong writes about and is quoted in this article, uh, you know the Bible doesn't give you all knowledge. It doesn't give you every single thing. You know you can't look through there and figure out how to change your oil <laughs> in your car, <laughs> but it gives you the basis for what you need to know, and then we're equipped as humans to go out and discover the rest but make sure that it's based on the bible that's right and and acquiring only spiritual knowledge simply isn't realistic i mean for the vast majority of our lives we don't have the full day to just study the bible for 10 hours you have to be able to put that into practice in daily life which involves a lot of physical events you have a physical family to take care of you have school and work and other activities, maybe trying to develop different talents, those are all in the physical realm. And and so if you just studied the Bible, but didn't try to use it in any way, um, it's almost like we become useless. I mean, you can actually even go to an extreme of studying so long and so, and so, uh, endlessly all day long that you get off into some pretty crazy conspiracy theories too. Yeah, well, and and also just the fact that, you know, if if we're living by every word of God, and he does talk about, you know, working hard and <laughs> and uh, and uh, working for, you know, uh, uh, you know, for a, a boss or they, there's guidelines given there. If you work for somebody, you work for your boss like you're working for Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are all these principles that tie into the physical things that we do every day as well. Then they, they have spiritual les- lessons there. Faith without works is dead. So you yeah. can't just believe you also have to be doing things right exactly putting it into practice uh this article says in addition to working with material things adam if we go back and look at look at him he was to maintain and develop a loving relationship with his father with god he was to marry and develop a loving relationship with a woman eve and furthermore they were to have children whom they would love teach and train to be honest and upstanding citizens of society now of course they went the wrong direction they chose the wrong knowledge and they had bad results but but uh that's true for all of us today that we have that same responsibility we're supposed to develop spiritual relationship with god we're supposed to develop physical relationships within families and with other humans and so there's knowledge that we need on both levels and uh but again it has to be based on the bible god's word his instruction manual manual for mankind is the foundation of all knowledge it is not the sum total of knowledge, as we mentioned. It is the foundation, the true premise, the starting point, the concept 
that directs the approach to the acquisition of further knowledge. And even going back to that tweet that that man sent out, almost, I think all of them, the things that he listed, those are all biblical principles. Those are all biblical principles. Mm-hmm. And that he, if he was, let's say, taught that growing up, he wouldn't have to say, oh, I wish I had learned it in school because, you know, the Bible teaches those things. That's true. I mean, that point that he, that he made about uh, doing a little bit more than is expected of you, the Bible says if we only do what we're told, uh, we're actually unprofitable servants. We're not actually um, contributing much in any way. We're just, we're not even really qualifying for a reward because we're just simply doing the bare minimum. Right. He said, be a positive person. He wished he had learned that. The Bible's full of that, you know, or it says, if there's anything good, think on those things. That's being positive. How even like laughing and smiling is good for your physical health. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Proverbs about that. Uh, show up on time every day. That's uh, that's a biblical principle, you know, faithful and least. It would be faithful and much. Just showing up on time. That's probably the minimal thing you have to do. But if you can't be counted on to do that, what can you be counted on to do? Mm-hmm. So everything that he that this guy is looking at, and, and just to read him in this very, uh, you know, uh, modern English <laughs> without thinking about the Bible, you could just think, well, those are good things. Those are good self-help type things. But it all traces back to the Bible and biblical principles. Um, he, he may be aware of it. He may not be. But it does show you that uh, there is uh, so much that can be learned from the Bible that then can be applied to make life successful in the physical realm as well as the spiritual realm. You want to be successful at your career? Great way to do it is to study the Bible. Yeah, and we have been talking about finances and work ethic and other aspects of life like that recently uh, where it is it is important to get a right education, but also just uh, it's nice to realize that God wants us to be as successful as possible. He has no problem with us becoming uh, rich or extremely successful in our careers as long as that doesn't become like an idol and the sole purpose of our lives. Yeah, this uh, article says that God intended for man to produce additional knowledge, and he gave us the basis, the foundation, the premise, the concept. But he also provided us with eyes with which to observe, hands and feet to explore and measure, with uh, means to produce laboratories, test tubes, means of experimentation. He gave us awesome minds with which to think, and we can see the results of that all over, technology, everything. We can talk into this uh, cylindrical microphone and people hear us all around the world. I have a basic idea of how that's happening, but I, I couldn't I couldn't replicate it if it was gone. <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, a lot of these different uh, technologies are incredible. Someone told me yesterday that he was, uh, he, he basically made a phone call uh, from a hotel room to, to deliver a, a lecture to his students because he was out of town. And then they hooked him up from here to England, the other college campus. And so all these people were in on this huge call live around the world. Uh, and, and class was able to proceed as if he were just there in person, like always. Yeah. That's good use of physical knowledge. And here's the point. All knowledge is not wrong. It says, but when you leave God out of it, that makes it wrong. That's the key. And so when we say there are two kinds of knowledge, good and evil, that is what we mean. The right kind of knowledge is any knowledge, whether spiritual or material, that is based on the foundation of God's word. The wrong kind of knowledge is any knowledge that is not based on that foundation. It's something good to think about and keep in mind that principle because we all encounter information every day. And it's good to to maybe hold it up to that test and say, is this based upon God's word or is it not? And um, 
and then see if we've got the character to maybe turn away from the stuff we should. Yeah, and there is a helpful principle about the spirit of the law. It's not just about, you know, doing every minuscule literal detail that the Bible says, but there are also general principles that can really help us in every every category of our education. You know, there's good and there's evil. So those are the two different ways of life and education can fit under either one of those two things. If it's a mixture of the two, you also want to try to stay away from that. I mean, that even that principle helps a lot just to know that um, God, God has a certain type of education in mind for us, and you don't just want to go off into some sort of, you know, psychology field or some sort of, fe- like, you know, medicine field where we're trying to make people trust in magical pills instead of God's healing. Those are the types of education that we might want to avoid. What is true education? You can find it at uh, PCOG.org, and you can find a lot more of uh, God's education at that website as well. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. Make sure you listen for the Key of David program and the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. They're coming up. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.